This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whenever and however you are listening, and welcome back to The Gospel for Life. This week, again, Russ, Jonathan, and Ryan are all out of town, so joining me once again in studio, right across from me, is Mr. Brandon Lockridge, an elder at Valley Life Community Church and vice president of our board. And then to my left is Pastor Kevin Bailey, who leads our student ministries and our discipleship and Christian education classes. Good morning, guys. Thanks for being in studio with me. Good morning. Thank you. Yeah, good morning. Yeah. Uh, do you guys know what day it is? Uh, yes. It is Reformation Boise Conference Day. Yes. It's so exciting. I woke, you know, I know when this airs, I'm going to be bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, and will not be able to wait. It'll be like opening presents on Christmas Day. Mm. So if you failed to register, that's okay. You know what? We're a gracious bunch at Reformation Boise, and we would love to still have you at the conference. In fact, don't even bother registering at this point because we're not going to see it. So just show up at the doors. We'll be opening up uh, Friday evening at the Ambrose Christian School, and we'd love to have you join us. If you miss this show for whatever reason, uh, you can catch up with us too by finding our podcast, The Gospel for Life. Or if you've got some feedback, you know, you're like, man, I really miss those guys that are gone, and you want to let us know, you can email us at thegospelforlifeidaho at gmail.com. All right, we're going to continue uh, in a series. Uh, we're covering some articles from Crossway uh, called 10 Things You Should Know. Uh, this week, we're covering the 10 things you should know about Reformed theology. Yesterday, we said that number one, the chief thing you should know about Reformed theology is that it celebrates the glory of God. Uh, second thing you should know about Reformed theology is that it uses logic, but ultimately takes its stand upon the scriptures as our only rule for faith and practice in this life. Number three, and I'm, gonna let you, I'm just going to unleash you guys on mm-hmm. the listeners. Uh, reform theology helps us to understand and apply all scripture. Well, the article starts off with context is king. Mm. Context is king. Brandon, what do they mean by context is king? Yeah, so, you know, it's, this reminds me of a little short story. Uh, so, when I was going through my reforming process, uh, I had, there was a, a pastor in our church who, and the church was not, you know, decidedly reformed or Calvinistic or anything like that, but uh, this uh, pastor, what he was associate pastor at the time, and he was uh, uh Presbyterian gentleman and uh, of a strong reformed conviction. And I remember as I was going through this, you know, struggling through some of this reform stuff, you know, my, my dispensationalism was sort of breaking down and he was there to mentor me. And I remember having argument and we're talking about a guy who'd been through, you know, Biola seminary in Oxford and all this stuff, right? Very smart guy, but very humble. And I remember you were working through some stuff with him and I was like, yeah, but the Greek word here says this, right? And he said, Brandon, 
He said, we can pull out Greek words all day long, individual Greek words, and we can go ahead and make them say whatever we want. He said, but the the Bible and theology and understanding what the scriptures say is less about individual Greek words and all about context. And he told me this, context is king. And so when we pull out passages or words and we say, yeah, this passage says this, or this word says that, and in the Greek, it means this. Sure, we can do that all day long. But if we're not reading in context, right? Well, what does John 3.16 say? Well, what does all of John 3 say, right? Like, so let's look at everything from beginning to end. And that's how we understand God's words, not by individual passages or words or things like that. Yeah, my uh, my youth pastor used to say that we need to see the Bible with twenty twenty vision, and what he meant was whenever you're reading a particular verse uh, or studying it, make sure you read the the previous twenty verses before it and the twenty right. verses after it to understand right. what it what's going on in the context. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, I think that's that's so good. I'm. I, I mean, I grew up with a uh, let's let's pick out this verse and then let's make a whole doctrine out of it, or let's right. make a whole lifestyle out of this verse, without understanding the context to which it was written. And you end up cherry picking, and then yeah. you find these verses that say the things that you want them to say, yeah. and then you can justify or you know make this the wrong thing to do right. based on that one single verse. Uh, a great a great example was uh, women cutting their hair. Uh, in in Corinthians, there's a there's a passage there, and they latched. You know, there's a group that latched onto that, and this is so important that women should not c- cut their hair without understanding the context in which Paul's writing the church of Corinth. And that, I mean, that's just one example. How many times do we do this to where we pick our our, our verses that we love and we pull them right. out of context? And we don't look at all of Scripture and what all of Scripture is pointing towards. Right. And, you know, there are things in the Scriptures that are hard to understand, right? And even Peter talks about that. He talks about that in regards to Paul's writings. He said, look, at, Paul says some stuff that's hard to, hard to understand, right? And, uh, and so what we do is we have to go to the areas of Scripture that we do understand, right? The, the confessions talk about this even, like going to the areas of Scripture that we do understand and letting that speak for the areas that are harder to understand, right? Because Scripture doesn't contradict itself. It's all in unison with, with itself, right? And it's all, as it says in in um Second Timothy three sixteen, right? That it's breathed out, it's profitable for proof, for teaching, for right. Is and so we we understand that Scripture is one hundred percent true in all areas and completely uh, unified. And so we can look through the various areas that we do understand again to interpret the things that we don't. Yeah, I think the other benefit when we talk about reformed theology helping us to understand and apply all of scripture not only does it hold the bible up into authority and right. we want to make sure that we're interpreting the scriptures in context but it also helps us understand that meta narrative of scripture we talked a lot about this last week in our 10 things you should know about covenant theology but mm. but understanding that that the bible is one cohesive message right. right of god's plan of redemption through the gospel message of jesus christ that the old testament cannot be as one famous pastor said unhitched from the new testament but rather it's it's all one uh, one covenant one message one story together that god is right. weaving through history which is why we speak of you know the uh, redemptive story you know the historical redemptive story in terms of covenant right yep. that's the reason we believe it and and look at it in terms of covenant because it's one unified structure 
right? From beginning to end. Uh, The article continues. uh, The fourth thing you should know about Reformed theology is that it is historical and confessional. So let's talk about those two words. What do we mean when we say Reformed theology is historical? You know, in uh, our last episode, I was mentioning how when I came to a Reformed understanding of the gospel, uh, there was like these, like a new set of lenses that I put on, right? A new pair of glasses. And this actually was one of those things that really blew my mind because um, in my dispensational theological perspective that I had before, you know, the Christianity essentially started in the 1970s with the Jesus movement. <laughs> and right. that's, that's it. That's yeah. where we started, right? Yeah. Acts 2 in the 1970s. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. And so when I started, uh, when, you know, I kind of come into this Reformed understanding and I started looking at church history, I, I was blown, absolutely mind blown, because I'm looking at, you know, the massive majority of church history is is not the way that I thought it was. It, it is not in line with the theology that I had, right? It is 100% reformed and biblical, right? And yeah. so, I, as I'm looking through that, I'm going, wow, this is, you know, going all the way back to, you know, we would say even Paul and Augustine, right? Yeah. Like all the way back, we're looking in, in this theological ideology is there and present and, and all the way through. So you're saying that God's been working throughout the centuries through his church? Isn't there, isn't that crazy? There's no break? God's <laughs> been working the whole time? <laughs> God's been working the whole time. Uh, how about confessional? Um, that word can sometimes be a little frightening for people, especially if they come maybe more from an independent church background. Um, what do we mean when we when we say that Reformed theology is confessional? Holding holding to the confessions doesn't mean that we elevate them to the level of Scripture. It's just yeah. a systematic approach to right. to, to read Scripture, um, and it's always going to come under the authority of Scripture and and not on par with Scripture. Um, so, looking at the you know kind of leading into the historical and the confessional. We can look at you know, the Reformation and the confessions that came out of the Reformation and and understand better what God was doing through those individuals at that time and realizing that they have something to say to us now about Scripture. That doesn't mean that everything in those confessions we still believe is going to be like, hey, this is it forever. But we can go all the way back to the Council of Nicaea and the Nicene Creed, uh, and we look at that, you know, in 325, what are they dealing with? Well, they're combating the Arian heresy. And so as they're addressing these issues that the church is facing, they're saying, this is what Scripture says about the nature of Jesus Christ. There was never a time when he was not and then we look at that second council that comes out in Constantinople, and there's some tweaks that are made to it where they take out some of the anathemas about Arius, uh, but it still says this is the nature of Christ. This is the nature of the Holy Spirit. This is the nature of, of the Father. Right. And, and it says something that Scripture is saying about itself. It's synth- synthesizing the ideas in Scripture. I think, you know, when prior to, again, just a Reformed understanding, I think that I looked First of all, I didn't know even know what the confessions were, right? right? And and so if somebody would have said, you know, here's a, you know the Westminster Confession or the Belgic Confession, I'd have been like, I don't know what that is, and it would have just seemed just old, yeah. old, outdated. And why would I? I don't really need that, right? Because all I need is the Bible. All I need is just just me and my Bible and Jesus, and I'm good. And uh, not that 
all you need is not the Bible, right? You, that is, the Bible is all you need. But why, the question is, what is the purpose of the confessions? Why, do, why would we even use them, yeah. right? And the purpose of the confession is that they're helpful for training and equipping young Christians, young believers, and even older believers, right? We can go through those things, and the confessions are a faithful, as Kevin said, we do not believe that they are equal with or greater than Scripture, but we do believe that they are a faithful summarization of the doctrines contained within Scripture. So I can go to the confessions, and I can read through these various doctrines, all which you know give Scripture references, and I can use that for memorization of doctrines. It helps me with the assurance of my faith, and it helps me in being able to, as Jude says, contend earnestly for the faith, right? When somebody begins to attack my faith, well, now I know what I believe and why I believe it, and the the confessions have been helpful in in doing that for me, right? Yeah. So uh, just real quick, what are, what are some of the big Reformed confessions you might reference or point our listeners to? Yeah, so the the Belgic Confession, which obviously is uh, one that we use in the three forms of unity um, at Valley Life, uh, the Westminster Confession uh, would be another one. We have catechisms, right? The Heidelberg Catechism, the Westminster Larger and Shorter Catechism. There's the Thirty Nine Articles of the Anglican Church. There's the French Confession. Any other Second <laughs> London Baptist Confession? Let's not leave our Baptist friends out. That's right. Okay. Yeah, we love you guys too. Yep. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, and again, I would. Just highly encourage you readers, uh, along with your your Bible, to open up and pursue peruse those those conf- confessions. In particular, the Heidelberg Catechism is written with such a devotional nature that uh, it, it really helps that memorization and understanding of Scripture. Mm-hmm. Well, we want to thank you for listening to the Gospel for Life. Uh, once again, join us tonight at Ambrose Christian School for the start of the Reformation Boise Conference, or shoot us an email, uh, the Gospel for Life Idaho at gmail.com. For Pastor Kevin, Brandon, Pastor Vinny, thanks for listening.